What is up, everybody? This is another episode of the Own Your Journey podcast. Our guest today is Spencer Jones, Vandy Commit, All-American. Spencer, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So let's just jump right into it. You know, I'd love to hear more uh, about kind of your story, you know, coming up through Little League and, uh, you know, obviously now being committed to Vandy and whatnot. would love to hear kind of what was, what was the journey like for you? Like, when did you start playing ball? Who was that first person who, you know, put the ball in your hand? Uh, so it started for me when I was pretty young. I started in T-ball back in uh, Encinitas Little League. Um, so the first person who really got me involved in baseball, for the most part, was my one of my older brothers. I have three older brothers. This is the uh, second oldest. He was, like, a diehard Padres fan. He was, like, five years older than me. So when we were, you know, really little, we used to go out in the front yard and like play wiffle ball against each other. I would pitch, he would hit, and we'd switch. And he was really the first one I kind of played with, and he was the one who really introduced me to the game. He gave me all his old bats and helmets and stuff, and uh, so he kind of he kind of fostered my love for the game early on. And then it moved towards t-ball, and I started playing with you know the kids from my like my elementary school, and then you know from there I kind of began to like to realize I love the sport. My my brother kind of grew out of it, you know, in high school, but I continued to keep playing because it was just something I loved to do. So, yeah, I had, I had a great Little League experience. I didn't really play too much travel ball when I was, you know, younger, like 10 through 12, but I did a lot of Little League and I was really involved with that community. So, so when so when did you start doing the, the, the uh, travel ball scene? I, that's an interesting point because – you know, obviously that, that's something that's taken off, especially for that age group that you just mentioned, kind of the little league age group, which is, which is crazy. So what was your travel ball experience like? When did you start? Um, what were some lesson le- lessons learned that you took from it? Uh, yeah. So when I was younger, I used to do like little league all stars because that was, you know, the big local pride thing. We would all, you know, it was like the 10 youth through 12 youth all stars. So that took up, you know, my summer circuit. And I'd play, when I was younger, I played some tournaments during the fall. I probably played like four or five total from 10 to 12 U. And it was, and, and those teams I played on were from my little league. So it was like, we'd have like our all-star team as our travel team. And we'd go out and, you know, do like little tournaments. But after 12-year-old all-stars, we almost made it to Little League World Series. We were two games away. We lost to Nevada in semifinals. And it was, um, I, I took, I think I took the rest of that fall off and then all the way up until spring, I didn't, I didn't play any baseball. My dad just wanted to give me a break. And then after, after that big break, um, we started to get in contact with some guys we used to play with, some guys who were older, some guys that were more experienced with travel ball and, you know, like the more prominent organizations in our area. And that's when we kind of got in contact with, um, his name was, his name was Chris Demgen. His, his, Dad and my dad were really good friends, and he introduced us to uh, Phenom, which is, you know, out of Moreno Valley. And, you know, they, they kind of got me that first taste of travel ball when I was, I think I was 13 or 14. And, you know, they, we had this big national team would go up. I remember in middle school, I used to go up to practice every Tuesday in Riverside, which is a two-hour drive from my house, every Tuesday night during school through, I think it was from probably December all the way in, until June. So I was doing it. I was doing it for a long time with my dad. And, you know, that kind of really, 
bonded me and my dad having those long drives together and doing like that whole thing. He was kind of like my guy. Like he knew what I was thinking. He came really, you know, a, a part of what I was doing with my baseball. And so we did that, you know, that 14U travel ball. And that was my first taste of like the national circuit. And, you know, it was different. I, I started to learn that, you know, it's, it's not the same as, you know, your local little league. There's, you, you can be the really, you can be the best kid in little league where you live and you go out, I don't know, to Arizona and there's just kids that are bigger than you, stronger than you, throw harder than you, hit the ball farther. You know, it's just like, it's one of those things where it kind of is an eye opener and you kind of got to realize that you got to like go put in the work that they're putting in. So that's kind of what I saw my first, first experience with travel ball. Um, it was different than, you know, what I had been doing. And then once I started, like, I didn't want to stop. So. Right, right. So, okay, so you're basically 13, 14. You start to kind of dabble in kind of the travel ball scene. So let's take like a snapshot of, you know, for the people listening, hopefully they're anywhere from eighth grade to senior in high school, maybe older, you know, looking for advice. But let's just assume, you know, our listeners are eighth grade to seniors in high school. Walk us through what your process was like. You just talked about kind of how you got into the travel ball scene. Um, I think there's a lot of questions just from a lot of players. Do I have to play travel ball? Are showcases better than uh, doing a travel team or should I play Legion ball? Talk about your experience because I don't think there's a one size fits all. But in terms of getting exposure, I mean, you're committed to Vanderbilt. You're a perfect game All-American what was that process of getting exposure like? What did you do? Um, drop some some wisdom bombs for, for those people listening. Okay. So for me, I committed my freshman year before I even played in a high school game. So I it, high school wasn't really the thing I needed to get evaluated as far as college colleges. So um, for me, it was more during the summer circuit playing in those uh, big perfect game tournaments. I felt like that's where all the recruiters were and the recruiters, you know, they'll recognize obviously if you're a big kid, obviously if you throw hard, if you can hit well, but I feel like the little things are pretty much just as important that you actually show that you care and that you're actually devoted. And if you have a combination of being able to hit and, you know, being able to hustle and play hard, then I feel like that is what recruiters are looking for more so than the guy who's going to go up there you know, go throw hard and then just be, you know, not the best teammate in the world. So I feel like the little things like that, like being a good clubhouse guy, you know, just being a teammate more so than anything, I feel like is more important because, you know, it's, we've all been on those teams where you have those teammates that just don't work well. And obviously college coaches don't want to have to deal with, you know, the toxic players. So um, I kind of learned that. I kind of learned that in travel ball. You know, I played with a few kids who were really good, but they were pretty toxic at the same time. And those kids didn't really move on to the next level, you know, that they thought they would. They were definitely talented enough. They just weren't good enough people mm-hmm. in that aspect. But um, showcases, I feel like some showcases work well. Um, so like, a lot, I feel like a lot of smaller schools do a lot of like academic showcases, you know, bring a lot of the little schools together if that's the route you're going for. Like I have a lot of friends who committed to D3 schools at my high school who did these academic showcases and, you know, it's, um, you know, it's a lot of smaller schools, but if, you know, your, your love for the game, you're devoted, you know, to go do that, then that's, that's what you want. But I feel like a lot of like the big D1s are at those WWBA tournaments in Arizona and Georgia because they want to see the best of the best play each other and compete. So. 
Right. I think you raise an interesting point. Uh, I've never really thought about it or heard it talked about in that way in terms of like toxic teammates and stuff. I think that's such an underrated thing, uh, especially for us, you know, kind of with our Instagram following and kind of positioning. It's always like, what do I have to do to get better or get exposure? And a lot of people don't think about it in that way. So give us, give us an example. You don't have to name names or anything like that, but like, Give an example of a toxic teammate and your opinion as someone who did it the right way. Clearly, you committed as a freshman, like you said, uh, you, you've been around those players. Like, describe that toxic teammate. So hopefully someone listening to this might be able to hear it from your perspective and be like, hmm, I am that guy or that girl. And I kind of need to figure this out. Like, what is that toxic teammate like to you? Um. I feel like I've played with my fair share of toxic guys on those national travel teams because, you know, we're trying to get out there and win. And, you know, not always the first priority is, you know, the best teammate in the world. But I have, like, a few examples from, like, high school and travel ball combined. So my high school experience, my freshman year, I didn't play, like, at all, even though I was committed. We had a, Our team had just been to the CIF finals. We were returning, I think, like, four, five guys in our infield and like two of our three starters so it was like I didn't really have an open position and I was playing center field at the time and we had this guy in center field like named Mickey Moniak so I wasn't really getting a whole lot of playing time but um I remember that's how I really learned to become a great teammate is because I didn't play and you know the only way I could contribute I felt like was being a good teammate and you know being a part of the team in ways I hadn't before and getting that different perspective because you know I, was, I used to be you know, the guy on the team that, you know, top the lineup or in the rotation, you know, playing every day. And then when that stopped my freshman year and I was sitting on the bench and I was, you know, getting a different perspective of the game, it, you know, it opened my eyes and it made me realize how important it is to become a good teammate. And, you know, through my, through my years in high school, we've had some kids who, you know, it's, I feel like it's a combination of the kids and the parents because, you know, the coaches don't want to deal with it. You know, the players don't want to deal with it and the other parents don't want to deal with it. Um, like we had some kids who would um, come to practice, you know, 20, 30 minutes late because they missed their alarm because they were napping before practice. Or, you know, just like they come, would be all stretching in the middle. And then you have, we have the captains in the middle of the circle and, you know, we're stretching, you know, talking. And then these other kids will come up in the middle of the circle, act like they're captains. And it's just, it's, it's more of a respect thing, I feel like, uh, on a team. Uh, in the high school situations because, you know, those are your guys. You're going to be, you know, fighting for those, you know, your 20-something teammates up until the end of May. So I feel like being a good teammate, especially in high school, is most important because those are your guys who practice with every day. And in travel ball, during the summer circuits, we would, you know, go play in the, you know, I'll do WWBA in Georgia, for example. We had kids flying in from all over the country. We were a pretty stacked team. Uh, this this year we had like 17 D1 commits like we were we were insane, but we only won like two games out of the six we played, and that was definitely because the you know toxic teammates and um, like the guys that you know they'd strike out or they'd get out or whatever and they'd come back to the dugout they'd pout they'd throw their bat they'd throw their stuff in their you know their bag and you like try and pick them up like hey let's go you know still a long game it's only the second inning like dude I don't want to hear it. Like we get it, you're getting hits, and I'm like, all right, I'm not focused on, I'm not focused on what you're dealing with right now. I'm focused on the team winning, uh, because I feel like at the end of the day, I'm more focused on the team winning than I am individual success. 
And I feel like if a lot of players can adopt that, then I feel like being a good teammate will just become inherent with what you're doing in the game. Because I feel like selfish players are the ones that drag the team down, not the ones who are trying to raise the team to the higher goal almost. Yeah, I think that's really powerful what you just said. I mean, here you are, Vanderbilt commit, All-American, one of the top players in the country, and you didn't play your freshman year. I get that you were committed and stuff, but I mean, I, I, I know from my experience as well, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I just think if players can learn to take accountability in the way that you did as a freshman and look at it in the way that you're looking at it, instead of, oh, the coach doesn't like you, you just said, look, there, there was no spot for me and you're going to make the most out of the opportunity. I mean, that is so, that is such valuable advice and it's really hard advice to take. Like it's definitely something that it probably felt easy to you, but I feel like for a lot of people, it's not easy. But I just think that's really, really powerful and, and valuable advice. And that's exactly kind of, you know, why we're, why we're doing the show is for advice like that. Um, because there's, there's no one path. Like you committed as a freshman, not everyone's going to be able to do that. So there's not one path that fits all, but it's advice like that where if you really take it seriously and actually try to implement it, it can make, you know, maybe you can be going to Vanderbilt one day, you know, if you're listening to this. Um, right. So, so we, so we talked about kind of like, the exposure and, and like the commitment process. The, the two things I want to cover before we're done here is first, let's talk about your development. Like being an early commit, um, is obviously a different situation. Let talk about what's your routine like? What have you done? What are you doing now to stay on track to improve throughout high school? And, you know, now going into, you know, college next year. Like, talk about, like, what are the things that you're doing to improve and continue to develop? Okay. So I think I kind of, you know, like, despite me committing as a freshman, I feel like I kind of have an interesting story as far as where I've come from, because I didn't pitch up until last fall. So I, you know, everyone sees the big lefty kid, they're like, oh, you know, put that kid up on a mound, he's going to, like, you know, dial up the radar gun. And that wasn't really always the case. Like, I... I used to not be very confident on the mound. I pitched a lot in Little League, and then my dad kind of felt guilty after, you know, all those years in Little League and me throwing a lot that he's like, all right, we're just going to shut it down until it really becomes important. And that, and it didn't really become important until the uh, fall, yeah, the fall before, or the fall of my junior year when I started to really pick up pitching again. And that's kind of when I started to turn the corner with my development, it felt like, you know, because I was just, I was just a first baseman outfielder that would just, hit at the top of the lineup, hit some singles, steal some bases, just that kind of thing. And then once I started to turn the development, you know, turn the corner with my development when I started to develop pitching, I feel like that's when my game began to expand as far as more confident hitting, pitching in the field, all those different things. Because um, for me, I always, you know, felt a little uncomfortable because, you know, I was a big lefty and then, you know, coaches would be like, all right, we're going to throw you for a couple innings. And I'm like, dude, I haven't pitched in two years. I don't know what you're expecting out of me. And then now it's like, I'll get up there and I'll throw a few innings and I'll, you know, keep wanting more because it's, it's new to me and I'm excited for it. But at the same time, it's something I love to do. So it's like, for me, pitching, especially in the last year and a half, I've come a really long way and I still know I have a long way to go. But um, I committed to Vanderbilt originally as an outfielder. And then I moved to first base and then they saw that I could pitch too. So they're like, Oh yeah, you can just come aboard. We can two way you in college. So I was like, all right, that's cool. 
So my development as a two-way player, as far as like power and velocity, didn't really come until this summer. I didn't like I I hit one home run my sophomore year, then all of a sudden I hit five home runs with like 20 doubles my junior year. Still stole like the same amount of bases, so that was cool. But um, as far as like staying on track with what I'm doing, uh, I did you know I did my throwing this summer. I did area code games, perfect game all American, under armor all American. And if you think about it, in those summer showcase circuits, you're only throwing like seven innings a year. As far as because you're only throwing one at perfect game, one at under armor, two at area codes. You know, it's like I I think I I t- tallied it up and I threw like nine total innings the whole summer. And, you know, those innings were more get your name out there. So when, you know, the scouts or whatever, the teams come to see you during the spring, they already know what you kind of kind of look like and they knowing what they're looking for. So my development uh, this fall has been more devoted towards my pitching and making sure that's up to par and then as well as my strength training. Because I've, I feel like hitting has been really easy for me since I was younger. I've always been able to make contact with the ball. I don't really strike out a whole lot. So I kind of took, I want to say, I don't want to say I took time off of hitting, but I took more time off of hitting than I did pitching. And I just kind of started hitting again. I didn't really, I haven't really done any hitting lessons or hit too much on-field batting practice since Perfect Game All-American. And like we just started, you know, cranking back up into baseball because our season starts in February. And I've been, you know, hitting now. I'm doing a lot of strength training with, um, I have a personal trainer. He have, gives me a program. I just go to 24 hour fitness and crank that out for the most part. And I have a pitching coach that we work, uh, once a week and that should be slowing down pretty soon. But, um, but yeah, things are good. We do, we do like bullpens on Tuesdays that for our high school coaches to see because they don't really get to see us too much during the off season, you know, and, I'm not really doing any drive line or, you know, crazy weighted ball stuff. It's more just me getting it out there, being more flexible with my arm and stretching, stretching it out as far as like different things I can do to stretch it out using bands and incorporating more efficient delivery with my body than I had during the summer. That's been also a huge focus of mine is to increase my flexibility, increase my range of motion using my lower half training, you know, uh, just a more efficient drive from my lower half up through, you know, my release point. So I can, you know, release the ball with like more effort or less effort, but, you know, still have the same result, you know, which will, you know, carry over into game, which will hopefully have me throw in five, six, seven innings towards the end of spring. So, yeah. No, and this, I think it goes back to same with your kind of exposure process and commitment process. Like you're doing what works for you and not necessarily what's popular. Like you mentioned driveline, weighted balls and stuff. Like I think there's a lot of people who do that just because it's, I don't know, it's kind of what it, what's in right now. It's, you know, what goes viral. You see a lot of pro guys doing it, but I think what you're saying is that you understand what you need to do to get Spencer ready for, you know, the college level for, you know, potentially the draft this year or whatnot. And I think that's what's most important when it comes to development is you're putting your own process in place, surrounding yourself with the people that you trust, um, who can provide you with the actual information that, you know, you're bringing them in to provide, whether you're, it's your trainer or, you know, coach or whatnot. Um, so I think that's really important. Um, instead of just going with kind of the, uh, 
one size fits all solution. I think there's a lot of companies and a lot of people out there who try to push that. And, um, you know, clearly you're going kind of the opposite route, which is, you know, you're, you're following your path and your plan, um, which is, which is great. And I think, you know, hopefully a lot of people picked up on that. Um, okay. So we talked about kind of, you know, the last thing I want to cover here is, um, and, and the reason why this podcast is called the Own Your Journey podcast, and that's kind of, that's Scout Day's tagline and whatnot is, you know, we all face struggle along our journey. You know, like people say, trust the process. There's different ways of saying it. We say it as own your journey, like take ownership for whatever's going on, whatever might happen, whatever might have happened before. You talked about not playing freshman year of high school. You talked about, you know, other struggles that you've had along the way. Dive a little bit deeper into if there are any other struggles or adversities or hard times on or off the field that you faced and give us some tools or some insight into what was going on in your mind and your life at those times and how you not only pushed through them, but it seems like you've gathered strength from what you've told us already. So talk a little bit about um, some advice for people who might be going through something similar or worse or, or whatever. Uh, that they can implement? Like talk a little bit about the struggle or any struggle that you've had. Okay. So for me, well, obviously my freshman year, I didn't really play. And, you know, that was kind of a mental struggle for me, you know, transition. But I feel like that is kind of what built me as a baseball player to understand, hey, there's more to this game than just talent. It obviously takes hard work as well. And in that freshman year, it took, I, I found a lot more, parts of myself that I hadn't realized before, things that I was good at, things I wasn't good at, things I need to work on as far as defense, throwing, hitting, getting stronger, all those different things. Because um, up until, yeah, up until like last year, I didn't pitch and the coaches wanted me to pitch. And it was just like kind of this this big mess of between me and these coaches being like, I, I'm not throwing until my junior year because I'm going to save my arm up until, you know, college because in college they want me to pitch. And my coaches, they understood that, and they took it to heart. They didn't pitch me until my junior year. But I had a lot of confidence issues early on on the mound because I wasn't comfortable pitching because I didn't have all those innings under my belt that a lot of the kids my age did, you know, at that point in their high school careers. And honestly, I didn't feel like I could get many people out my junior year as, you know, I, I had a lot less confidence I did then as I do now. And I feel like mostly because – I. I started to like develop a mindset that was more towards development rather than result and more focused on attacking people like attacking hitters than, you know, just trying to, you know, get them out or just getting them to swing. So it was for me this summer, it was more like, Hey, if you want to throw hard, then throw hard. It's just not going to happen if you don't try hard. So it was like, in order for me to get the results I wanted, I had to try hard. I couldn't, you know, just expect things to happen or, this or that to happen. And, you know, I started to really realize these things towards the end of my junior year. We were, you know, we were struggling in playoffs and I began to realize like, Hey, this stuff isn't going to come easy to us. We need to like, I, I, I realized in my mind, I'm not, I'm, I'm not where I'm at at all, where I want to be in my development. I know I still have a long way to go and I only have a year left to prove the kind of player that I want to be. So I kind of took it to heart after our high school season ended and started working twice as hard as I was before, focused on, you know, my development 
focused on me first rather than other things. As I don't want to say as selfish as that sounds, but like I was more focused on what I was doing rather than what other people were doing, what other people were thinking, what they were saying. And, you know, putting my head down and working to get myself to the point where I was at those summer showcases at the end of the year. Because it, it took a lot for me as far as changing my mindset to be able to do those things. Because I, I didn't have the best friends at the time. I, I didn't really have a great support system. And then when I really started to open up and realize who was helping me in my life and who wasn't, that's when my development started to pick up and I began to kind of take off with what I was doing. And I feel like that's important is committing yourself to what you're doing because as far as like expecting things to happen, like it won't happen. Like I don't, I don't want to sound like conceited or whatever, but when I committed, like I always felt like I was going to commit to a division one school. And so when it happened my freshman year, I was like, okay, cool. That's kind of what I expected. But I realized at the end of that junior year, like, Hey, we still need to like make way more progress. We're not anywhere where we need to be. And like, let's prove to other, these, all these people that, you know, think we're good that like, we're not going to leave any doubt behind that we're the kind of player that we are. So that's kind of the struggles that I faced as far as it was more of an internal struggle for me as far as getting that confidence to get up there and swing with authority or getting on a mound to, you know, swing hard, I mean, throw hard or attack people because I didn't really always have that internal, you know, fire that a lot of players have. And it took me a lot to find that and then find what worked for me as far as, you know, getting myself prepared and, you know, getting after it when I'm on the field. So, Yeah, man, some really powerful stuff. I mean, you really think through this. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for your thought process and uh, it's definitely, it's no surprise you've, you've found the success that you have, you know, knowing this is how you you know, view the journey, view what you need to do. And it, and it sounds like, and what you just said is basically it didn't come natural to you. It was basically learned behavior, which is, that's the most powerful advice that you could come on here and talk about is, you know, this is stuff where if you did it, there's no excuse for anybody listening to not be able to train themselves and do the really, really hard work to do the same. And maybe that doesn't mean you get to go to Vandy and maybe it doesn't mean you'll be an all American, but maybe it means you, Instead of not playing college baseball, you go to a D2 or D3 school. Or instead of a D2, it elevates you to D1. Um, it's all about knowing your skill set and implementing processes and tools that work for you to elevate you to your highest potential. And, you know, your, your potential is obviously very, very high and, you know, very excited for, for your future. Um, but so my, so my last question before we wrap up. Um, really appreciate your time. This has been great. And this is kind of a question that we ask everybody who comes on. But if you're going to give one piece of advice to, uh, you know, a young player listening, a freshman, sophomore who, you know, has no interest, um, from any schools, they they don't really know what to do. What's, what's one thing that they can do to start going in the right direction? And that doesn't mean start to get recruited. It could mean, you know, develop their skills more or, it could be getting exposure. Like what's one piece of advice? What's one thing that in your mind, a player could start doing right now after listening to this, um, that could help them go in the right direction. Um, my advice would be just put your head down and start working and just develop good habits because, you know, those good habits will carry on much longer in life than, you know, you'd actually think they would. You know, if you can get that hard work instilled in you now, when you grow up, and if baseball doesn't become your thing and you're, you know, if you're already a hardworking individual, you know, 
success is going to start to come easier to you. And it, I feel like just working hard and devoting yourself to what you're doing and giving maximum effort in your personal relationships and your workouts and your game, I feel like that's just beneficial overall because, you know, how I kind of, I kind of saw a tweet about it. I thought it was kind of funny. It's like the reason why I don't, I don't remember who it was. It was like the reason why I throw hard is because I give maximum effort in everything that I do. I give maximum effort in my friendships, in my relationships, in my family, with my work, with my studies, with my workouts, with my bullpens, and that just translate on the field because that's just how I live my life. So I saw that and I was like, that's the way to live. So, so, so true. Yeah. Um, so for people listening to this, where can they follow your journey um, on social media, Instagram? Where do you want them to follow you if they've, if they've listened to here? Where can they follow your journey? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore Spencer Jones. I'll be posting some stuff on my story and I'll for sure post some stuff towards the season time. Um, I'm not really too active on my Twitter, but I do retweet things that I think are funny and <laughs> stuff like that. And that's at Spencer Jones with no O. So it's J N E S after Spencer. So, I mean, I'll tweet some stuff. I'm sure I'll have some videos of me playing during the season of me throwing. So yeah, feel free to check that out. Good luck to you guys. Yeah. No, this was really great, Spencer. Really appreciate you coming on. A lot of valuable advice. I really respect, you know, everything you got going on and everything you've you've done. And, you know, looking forward to the next chapter for you. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Leave us a good review. Five stars. It would be appreciated. It will help spread the word about the Own Your Journey podcast brought to you by Scout Day. Spencer Jones, thanks a lot. We'll see you guys next time on the Owner Journey podcast. Journey podcast brought to you by Scout Day. Spencer Jones, thanks a lot. We'll see you guys next time on the Owner Journey podcast.